ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Sarah Watt. I'm William Chen. And I'm Jeremy Downing. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. Now, it could be they have the same director, a same actor, or a similar theme. Now, this month, we're discussing The Creator, which came out this year, 2023, and Children of Men, which was released in 2006. The connection being that both of them are dystopian sci-fi movies set in a nearish future in which the protagonist male must escort a young woman across war-torn lands. Nice. Mm. Now, um, Jeremy, would you like to kick us off with a description of Children of Men? Because I believe you know this film fairly well. I do, dear listeners. I teach a media studies class to high school students, and this is one of the select films that we have watched this year. But beyond watching it with my students, I'm a huge fan of this movie, so I've watched it a lot of times. Mm. Children of Men, I believe, is based on a book, uh, and it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron. It stars Clive Owen and Julianne Moore, uh, as well as Michael Caine and a number of other great actors. Um, Clive Owen plays Theo, a, I think it's fair to say, depressed, Mm. middle-aged man living in a world that has lost hope. The world has lost hope because people are no longer able to have children. Uh, And so the children of men, one might read, is is the hopelessness that ensues when women can no longer have babies. Uh, Theo has an ex-wife who is played by Julia Moore. She's part of a rebel crew who are trying to bring voice and awareness to the treatment of refugees in, I guess, United Kingdom, London, yes, England, yes, yep. some, wherever the borders lie in this new world. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets called in by her to help get a young woman across the border. And relatively early in the film, we discover that she is, in fact, pregnant. She's a refugee. She's pregnant. And... Um, she is also a potential political kind of chess piece. Mm-hmm. And Theo is is seen by his ex-wife as being one of the few people that will actually look out for her and her needs. And so mm-hmm. what ensues is, as Sarah described, a story about Theo and the young Key trying to navigate their way through a volatile, war, war-torn near future mm. uh, to some form of safety. Thanks, Jeremy. Mm. Um, William, can we rely upon you to tell us what the heck The Creator is about? (laughs) Of course, of course. The Creator is the latest film from director Gareth Edwards. Um, Not Evans. I keep getting that mixed up. Yeah, so do I. Yes, Evans makes uh, kick-ass action films, Mm. mostly starring Indonesians. Mm. Uh, Edwards makes sci-fi epics mm. with um, with amazing visuals and endings that don't quite make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, The Creator is a ostensibly original sci-fi movie uh, starring John David Washington as Josh, an ex-soldier in a world where AI has been normalized. So the use of robots and artificial intelligence is, is very much a part of society until one day the Terminator, Terminator future happens mm. and AI unleashes a nuclear bomb on the United States, which kind of divides the world into mostly what they call in the movie New Asia, which is very pro-AI and pro-integration, and the US and its allies, which want to wipe AI from the face of the earth. Mm. In the middle is caught uh, Josh, so Mr. Washington's character, uh, as he attempts to extract a young AI girl from New Asia while on their heels, the US military and the entire force of their, their arsenal is after them. Awesome. Thank you both, gentlemen. Uh, And readers, listeners, watchers, as I like to call you. um, (laughs) It's worth noting that there will be spoilers in our podcasts. Um, The the assumption being that it's difficult to talk about these films properly if you can't uh, talk about them in great detail. So if you're thinking that you would really love to watch The Creator uh, and you haven't already, then you need to pause and go away and do it. And if you haven't already seen Children of Men, I don't even know why you're listening to Cinema in Context. But that is definitely a hole in your cinephilia that needs filling. So... I just want to say, if you haven't seen Children of Men, you should watch it on a fantastic 
cinema experience kind of screen and good sound, sound system, system. Yes. yeah and you should turn your phones off and plan to watch it in one sitting because and it's not long it's like an hour and 40, 40 yeah, yeah. extraordinary and with alfonso curon's films he has a, often has a lot of long takes mm. has you know shots where you just go how did you do this yep and he's very aware of where the rhythm of a film kind of ebbs and flows yep. and so mm. if you're pausing it to go and oh. get your uber eats yeah don't stop no eat first <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then get into one of what I think is the greatest films of all time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. Uh, so uh, on that, let's talk about the creator first, because yeah. uh, <laughs> possibly uh, uh, otherwise, yeah, the rhythm of this podcast. Is <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, we had the we had the flow. Now let's end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I will start us off by saying this: um, watching the creator, mm. I was really, really into this movie. You guys mm. like. I don't know, 40 minutes in, mm. an hour 15 in. I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I recognized its faults. So the movie uh, does struggle because, as you referenced before, Jeremy, it draws on our knowledge of other sci-fi films, mm. uh, kind of to fill in its visual vocabulary mm. and also some of the, the plot elements. So it is, uh, and I've made a list, pretty much Terminator, mm. Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, Akira, Lots of Ex Machina, a little bit of Her, a lot of Lone Wolf and Cub, a lot of Star Wars, which makes sense because, you know, Gareth Edwards did Rogue One, Mm. Uh, The Mandalorian, Mm. a lot of Avatar, a lot of the Blizzard game Overwatch, um, all the stuff, oh, of course, Children of Men, Mm. and District 9, a lot of that stuff. I thought District 9, and Elysium, would you say? Elysium, yes. Similar problems and um, really good stuff as Elysium. That's a great comparison. Total Recall was another one. Total Recall, nice. Both versions. Mm -hmm. Um, There's all the Vietnam fodder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Deer Hunters in there. Apocalypse Apocalypse Now. Now. A lot of Apocalypse Now. Mm. (laughs) I could even say the new Planet of the Apes films is, Mm -hmm. is kind of in there as well. That being said, I think this, like, visually, this this movie is extraordinary. Visually, I think it's fabulous. My goodness. And did you guys read about the behind the scenes, about how they actually made this movie? No. It is insane. So this movie looks like it cost, I don't know, $500 million. Mm. It literally does. Mm. And yet, it cost $80 million. Wow. Which is a fraction of what your, your average Marvel slash Star Wars cost these yeah. days. Um, what well, Ant-Man 3 was, I think, purported to be $300 million. Mm. And how they did it. And it brings us back to Gareth Edwards and what he does best. Mm. I mean, Sarah, you and I rave about monsters all yep. the time. His, his mm, first mm, movie, which mm. is, I think, probably one of his best movies. Mm. Rogue One is great, but I think a lot of that is Tony Gilroy. Um, yeah, he is... In his heart of hearts, a guerrilla filmmaker, mm. right? Even now, especially thought, with King Kong. I, yeah, oh, no, no, Godzilla. 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 Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Nice. Sorry, yeah. No, it wasn't quite the connection I was, I was thinking for. that too. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. So G U E R. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, like a monsters with a shoe shoestring budget, you end up with extraordinary images. Yeah. Um, a monsters. He did all the special effects himself on his laptop. And I think even with the budget, it really comes across. So mm. what they did was they had basically store-bought Sony digital cameras. This is for the creator. For the creator. Yeah. Um, him and a skeleton crew of basically cinema, uh, so himself as cameraman, cinematographer, sound guy, mm. and actors, which is a group of about four to five people, uh, flew around the world going to Nepal, Thailand, Cambodia, yeah, all and over just filmed... Asia. On location with real lighting, yeah, and and that was it. And they had, I think, over eighty locations wow. at a fraction of the cost of what it would take to actually, you know, scout it out, build the sets, and all that. Did they film with the actors, or did they, they film with the actors? So they took the actors with yeah, them. Yeah, and... um, he said on the interview, like it's much cheaper to buy plane tickets than it is to actually construct sets or to do everything on digitally. Yeah, wow. And then afterwards, they did a final cut. Of the movie before overlaying the special effects. Yeah. So unlike what Marvel does with its house, its house style, which is you know, um, figure out like a previs everything and then film it all, render it all. Oh, this doesn't work. Let's fix some stuff. And very, very famously this year with um, across the Spider Verse, right? Mm-hmm. They were um, the creators were in a lot of hot water for what they did and how it created so much stress among the filmmakers. 
And this there very much is not that level of stress because you have the film. All you have to do is make the special effects for the film that is so already So there's complete. nothing wasted. Nothing so it's wasted. not like you've created a whole thing and then cut it, edited yeah. it, and then left a lot of... Which is extraordinary. Yeah. And, and it's all done with tech that is readily available. Um, because it's problem solving and it's what yeah. filmmaking kind of the best filmmaking is right which is mm-hmm. that you come together a group of people talented care about a project and get in mm. it reminds me of everything everywhere all at once and mm. they made that on a tiny budget with mm. five people as well yeah. doing special mm. effects and how well that, that that comes off I think about Lord of the Rings the first three films and whilst we might see them as these multi-million dollar films when you go back and look at the budget of the first three Lord of the Rings films mm. it's not big mm. I think they made three movies for 200 million dollars which is incredible <laughs> and in his team they they were so good again I wouldn't say guerrilla filmmaking because they had a whole kind of studio space that they built in Miramar but they did things with the best tools in front of them you yeah. know and they they mm. kind of created things physically and so I'm not surprised and I think about the Marvel model and what you've just described William what a wasteful, soulless way to make movies mm. that is now catching up with them. Those mm. movies are losing money, and it's a shame the Marvels is losing money because I actually think the premise looks quite interesting. But I'm so sick of seeing another Flash, as much as I quite enjoyed the Flash, but the, the way that that film, like the CGI, and yeah. I know it's yeah. DC, but you know, just, just like, let's stop throwing money at CGI artists that are overworked mm. and creating well, average work clearly from what we've just learned from you william this is an exemplar in using natural locations mm-hmm. and natural lighting because as you say the look of i mean the look of in the trailer was what actually got me hugely excited i've been longing for the creator to come out and therefore was disappointed when the reviews were going a bit meh because it looked like it was going to be also they picked an awesome song for the trailer which is always <laughs> always gets you doesn't it but it looked like it was going to be amazing mm. and it looked amazing uh, and and it looked real and in the same way that Children of Men uh, looks and feels, even if it's all done on on uh, at Pinewood or something, it looks and feels gritty and 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 real. So that's mm. absolutely a strength of the creator. Mm. Well, when I saw the creator trailer, <clears throat> the thing that disappointed me is um, Mr. Washington. What's his first name? Joseph. John uh, David. John David. John David. Da- uh, yeah, because he's just so, uh, he's so nothing. <laughs> he's really nothing. Like in Tenet, obviously, was he in oh. another film? Yes. He's in the KKK uh, K- K- Klansman. Oh, Black Klansman. Right. Yeah. Okay. And he was in a terrible Netflix film last year, or earlier this, I don't even remember, where it's sort of a love affair thing, and it's sort of dystopian, and he's awful in it, and I really should have Googled it before I said it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, like not, a, he's not interesting, is he? No, he's really and I non... don't mean to be unkind. No, neither. But because... he is a chemistry-free zone. <laughs> he has two looks. No, seriously, he does. He has two looks. And one of them is his blank face, and the other is when he turns his head slightly to the right and he does a really strong side eye. <laughs> and um, that's literally all he has, no. is doing a side eye at yeah. someone. Can I just say, the little girl acted the pants off her. Oh, like, she, she, but she is amazing. She, she is what makes this movie work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's but, gorgeous. Oh, and him trying to be all like in love with... Um, with Gemma Chan? Maya. Yes. I mean, Jenna, I don't have a lot of time for Gemma Chan, but she was all right. Yeah. But uh, yeah. no, I don't know what's going on. And it's then I also okay. saw the trailer and I thought, oh, is there anything new in this movie? And when I watched the film, it's like, no, it's not. Like, yeah. we've had pretty much all of the ideas in this film where I've seen in a hundred movies. Um, Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, yes. that was a terrible yeah. movie. And then, no, but Beckett is the really, really yeah. ordinary. I say Netflix movie. I, um, I watched it on a telly is all I know. But, oh, yeah. such a drag. And, he, <laughs> and in that, he's meant to be in love with Alicia Vikander. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing. It's, well, she's oh. another robot, isn't she? She's ex oh, yeah, well, there you yeah. go. So there's your, yeah. um, there's your intersecting <laughs> set. Um, anyway, yeah. I, yeah, I just... Look, I forced myself to enjoy it, and I kind of came out of the movie being like, oh, that was fine, you know. It, I did. I do think it sort of manages to hit the beats it's trying to hit. Mm. It's just that it's relatively boring. Yeah. yeah. We've, seen, we've seen every, you know, all the movies you listed are much better versions <laughs> of what this movie is trying to do. Yeah. And are much more ambitious, strangely, like plot-wise and, and direction-wise. Yeah. 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 E- even Avatar, which is like trope central, but uh. it's so much more satisfying in both Avatar movies compared to this one. Well, Avatar has such a clear sense of character mm-hmm. and emotional stakes. And there's no character... 
factor in this. It's all very well to say, oh, he's ex-special forces. Yeah. He had a pregnant wife. I spent most of it thinking, is Gemma Chan actually AI? And then going, no, no, can't be, because how would AI have a mm. baby, blah, blah. Mm. Who cares? <laughs> it was the same way I felt about Tenet, but Tenet, oh. there was no character on page either. Yeah. So, no, but Although Tenet, that was intentional, right? But Whereas was, this doesn't feel like say that like that makes it better. Well, because like his name, his bloody name is the protagonist. Yeah. Like, and wow, Tenet wow. was actually, Tenet, I mean, was, was a ch- it wasn't a great, f- well, I mean, whatever, I don't know. I do, mm. I would like to see it again, but at least it was clever and mm. it got you thinking. Whereas there isn't anything about the creator uh, no. the, to me, the thing that actually is potentially clever is the conflict between actually these AI, like the AI Buddhist monks and all mm. that sort of thing. I was quite fascinated by the world building. Right. And I thought it's, it doesn't just look great aesthetically, but the world building is fabulous. This notion that even AI uh, humans take it upon themselves to don orange robes and to mm-hmm. go and become a monk in a monastery in the wherever, the Himalayas or wherever it was meant to be, North Asia, whatever. What was it called? Not uh, East Asia, New, New Asia. Asia. February but, 1984. But none of that was investigated. No. And to me, it was just like clanging disappointment after disappointment. And, and you know that I don't really have high standards in this regard. But at the minute that he walks in the door and there's like a dais with an armchair on it, and you expect it, and a television, you expect it either to swivel when the television is playing The Ring or Poltergeist, or that the child is stroking a white cat. <laughs> you know, ah, it's good to see you, Mr. Washington. Or, you know, or she explains what the Matrix is. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. You it's know? like, why does it have to look like everything else and do nothing? Speaking of the Matrix, do you, do you guys remember the Animatrix? Yes. And the two prequel shorts, the um, what's it called the the New Renaissance or what's that called? I, I remember all um, of them. And like those films are way better versions of the creator. Yeah, that, no, that's um, a Kiwi film or something. I'd seen a oh, Animatrix. No, the Animatrix is the it's, <laughs> it's the, the, highest the mid two thousands DVD spin off yeah. short yeah. film collection of the Matrix. It came out before the yeah. the two sequels, right. and it got everybody really hyped and excited. And yeah. then before so, our some dreams of films were crushed. Are, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> real yeah. good. Um, but yeah, speaking of world building, completely agreed, Sarah. Mm. There are, uh, it's, it's a huge pity because there are so many cool things yes. in this movie. Yes. Um, what the kid is, is look, uh, Alfie, <laughs> Alfie, mm. what she's watching on TV mm. is like a propaganda cartoon mm. about like New Asia launching an attack on the, the burger Nomad space station. I was mm. like, that is so cool. Of mm. course they would make mm. stuff like this to show mm. children. Mm. Um, a lot of the, the stuff about robot culture, mm. the, how the movie opens with like alternate reality or alternate future newsreels mm. about why robots are part of our society. I yeah. thought that was awesome. Yeah. And there's a politi- um, the political side of things which the film was sort of hinting at, especially yeah. between the United States and New Asia. Oh, yeah. I just feel like that was another missed opportunity for where well, they could have really well, <clears throat> figured some stuff out. Well, here's the thing. Like, the whole anti-American angle I thought was was really quite good. Like, like yeah. I, I, f- I fell for the robots. Like, yeah. I fell for hook, line, and sinker. It's mm. like... Man, these Americans are pretty evil, but also evil in a very believable kind of way. Mm. Right, and, and like, Alison Janney is a great character. She's yeah. a great character, but man, I was annoyed that she was just leaving technology around. <laughs> like, that, that technology yeah. where she used to kind of scan <clears throat> the guy's oh, brain. so cool. I'm like, so cool. why did you just leave that on the side of the road? Surely yeah. that's a very expensive piece of equipment. And, yeah, she performed all right, but she yeah. did feel like another tropey kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. Another tropey kind of, oh, Ooh, except they let her cry. They yeah. let her cry on the plane. Did you notice? Because she's a woman. And she didn't speak like that. I don't know why yeah. I'm doing it. But you know how traditionally they're yeah. just a tough guy and you're jo- dropping into en- enemy territory. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know... Edith they... Falco and, and, and Avatar and that's right. Yeah, right. that's right. Mm-hmm. But that's they right. tried to go, well, you know, I lost both my sons. And then she has a little tear and we go, wow, this mm-hmm. is really progressive because not only is she a woman and she's high up in the military, but she's allowed to cry. And everyone's like, yeah, that's, that's natural. But, <laughs> but still, no, no. Mm. There was... And, and look, you know I don't have high standards when it comes to, like, plot contrivances and, like, continuity errors, but... Then, Sarah, you, be... you would not have enjoyed the final 20 minutes of The Creator. No, because there were so many things where I was going, but why would you say that? But why would you do that? But who would let that happen? And, 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 and I haven't got any of them written down, I'm sorry, because I was just like, what? So, so here's the thing, right? Like, I, I, I said so before, I, I was really into the movie. Oh, yeah. Like, just with, with everything that was going on, it was well shot, 
the action was okay, but it was pretty, and yeah. that, sometimes that's good enough, right? Um, and the relationship between um, uh, Josh and Alfie, mm. I mean, again, as you guys have said, Alfie is a much more interesting and nuanced character than Josh, yeah. but you kind of buy the whole, you know, father, surrogate, daughter thing. Uh, and then you reach the final act, and it, it's like the plot goes into overdrive, mm. and they're on a rocket. And they're going up to the space station, mm. and he's planting explosives, and the US is launching missiles at everyone. Yeah. And it's like, wait, no, 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 slow down. And, and then suddenly they have remote control of this Matrix looking spider octopus robot, and he has to sacrifice himself. It's like, whoa, this is a lot. And the yeah. contrivances it takes to reach the ending is absolutely bonkers. And yeah. I ended up like, I think the movie, Jeez, this is terrible. The movie lost me when Alfie was dragging her mother through the field. <laughs> yes! I was like, what? How does she get all that strong? But I was just like, what? <laughs> well, why are there replica Gemma Chans on the space station? Yeah, I don't, that wasn't clear either. But that's a weapons platform. Because like, she sold her likeness. <laughs> she sold her likeness. But, but even but, but, why would there be a hole in a robot? And they hate robots. It's America. And... and uh, <laughs> I don't understand it. Well, it. Why is there oh. a beautiful, like, gladiator-style wheat field? Yes! <laughs> that they can run that to each shot. other. Yeah. Oh, I don't care. Going <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, go back to the, the, the positives, Nomad. Again, I, I keep saying that. So much of this movie is just cool. Right? Is that with a big blue yeah. light? Yes, that that's how it opens. And that opening, you're right yeah. when it's they come out of the water through so the fields. Yeah. And I thought this is going to be incredible. And it's mm. everything I want it to be. The yeah. perfect metaphor for like United States imperialism and overreach. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you cannot run from it. Yeah. People try and get obliterated. It reminded mm. me of Minority Report, ah, uh, which I yeah. also really rate in terms of there being a, an overarching thingy that will find you mm -hmm. and yeah. that you yeah. cannot hide, etc., etc. Yeah. Because that was so thorough. Mm -hmm. Nomad's Beam was beautiful the way that it... Uh, you know, sort yeah. of, I don't even know what the word is, undulated over the landscape. Oh, yeah, I loved yeah. that. And I think what, what Gareth Edwards does best in every single one of his movies, Rogue One, Godzilla, Monsters, this, is just the sense of overwhelming scale. Yes. Mm -hmm. right. it's, it's unnatural. You've never seen anything man-made so big, and yet somehow it makes sense, and it's momentous, and it's terrifying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there were some beautiful shots. Like, I thought the shot, it really reminded me of Rogue One, the... Uh, were they in Vietnam? Were they or uh, on, a, on a beach? Like so, similar Vietnam vibes. So Vietnam or it's Thailand, like Bahamas, somewhere mm. southeast Asia, like, wasn't it? Oh, oh, you mean in the crater? Yeah, in the crater. Oh no, oh, that's yeah, like yeah. a Thailand beach. Yeah, that very looks, much yeah, Thailand. Yeah, but then yeah. it reminded me of the Rogue One. Kind yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, the, yeah. Kind of the beautiful. That was South, South Pacific, I think, was the area. Uh, I think it was uh, a Caribbean or right. Oh, yeah, anyway. yeah. So just the just the way he filmed those scenes was amazing. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I just yeah, there, there were some really cool things about. Yeah, everything you're saying, I, I agree with. But my gosh, it was... Awesome. <laughs> I think, in terms of the world building, the, the good and the bad. The yeah. bad part, I felt, was the, the robots. Um, the robots? I, uh, the, the robots. <laughs> like, <laughs> the robots? I, I don't know if, if you guys felt the same way, but it's like, why are they robots? They're just like people. Like, you know, Soylent like, Green oh, is people. Oh, wait, you uh, mean like the monks and the, the nice yeah, people? Yeah, like, like there's, yeah. you know, there's all this talk about AI this and AI that. And yeah. of course, nowadays, in our real world, AI yeah. and the rise of AI is, is a pretty big issue. Yeah. But you'd think you'd just th use th them for function, right? Th there's no point in the movie where you kind of feel like the robots are robots. They're just people. Like, they're people with... With like little whirly things in their head. No, but some what of them, differentiates no, them from people? No, because some of them do have, uh, some of them don't have faces and whatnot, but they yeah. feel more like the ones that are going to clean your car and, uh, right, like and go to war and, and, and things like that. Yeah. And that seemed to me, that made sense. All You know, there was a moment there where I was like, well, actually, wouldn't it be useful if the, the military or, or, or police or whatever were robots? Right. Um, because that way there's no loss of human life and you can just send them in and blah, blah, blah. And they don't need to have faces etc i think this is part of the issue of the movie is that like i think about when you watch old 1970s movies and they go oh computers will do that and you're mm -hmm. like well computers don't kind of work like that um and it's the same thing now with like you can't make a movie about robots in this way 
when AI is kind of every day now, it's really mundane. Everybody's able yeah. to go into ChatGPT. Sure, there might be concerns, but it's really about whether a kid's going to cheat in an exam or, you yeah. know, that's where our concerns are at. The kind yeah. of or whether Skynet. a script is going to be written by one. Yeah. It's which like is really, already happening. <laughs> it's like with the pandemic, like who knew the end of the world would involve so much baking? It's kind of a joke <laughs> that was made. And it's <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't make those stories yeah. in the same way anymore. It's like if you go back and watch pre-9-11 mm. movies with quote-unquote terrorists, mm. and it's really clunky and silly because yeah. actually in, in a, in a post 9-11 world what does that mean for us what is mm. you know how has our society contributed to this problem it's so I, yeah. I, I just don't know like and I guess to bring it back to my my media class my students you know they are they are going to have an exam coming up at the end of the year where they have to talk about dystopian science fiction film as a genre mm. and they could very comfortably talk about the creator as being a bit of an inert entry into the into the series mm. and that actually we don't want to watch dystopian science fiction film in this way at the moment because we've kind of lived through a version of the apocalypse mm, mm. and AI is such a non-threat in, in terms of what's depicted in this film. Mm. I, I think even how it's depicted is just, it's not what we see as AI, right? It, it, again, I go back to my point, like the robots in the Tibetan, sorry, robots in the Tibetan gear at yeah. the end it's just people. Yeah. If you replaced all the Sims with like people without special effects, yeah. the story would not change a tip. That's a good point. Right. Um, apart from maybe Alfie being able to, you know, create and to control technology, but it's like what differentiates AI from non-AI? What yeah. differentiates a Sim from a robot without a face from the bo- oh, the bomb robot? Super cool. Love that guy. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the thing that I was saying that they, there's sort of this suggestion that there's this yeah. sort of. Um, uh, I don't know if it's a racial tension or if it's like a nation tension, like a, like a political tension mm-hmm. between the United States and, and New Asia. And it's like, but it's not really, I think it's maybe the same thing. It's like, yeah. I'm not really clear what the issue is here, apart from a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> Which they then say right at the end, spoiler, right? It's like, it's oh, hang on a second. Era. It turns out yeah. that was us. That was by mistake. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Well, well, oh, yeah. So they tie and backtrack <laughs> so that actually it wasn't the AI who had done the bomb uh, in the first place. I think that, that's an interesting idea. The, the idea in the movie <clears throat> is that um, it was a coding error from, from people in the military. Right. And so even though AI did it, it wasn't the AI's fault. And it's like, okay, at least that's saying something. But so much of the movie, the notion of AI just goes uncontested. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're just completely sentient beings. Mm. Like it's 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 about AI, but it doesn't care to explain anything yeah. about our relationship with AI. Yeah, and I find that really disappointing. And like, why does the little girl like? There are there are times, Alfie. There are times when she just carries on with quite a blank face, like you would expect uh, an ex machina or whatever to do. Mm-hmm. And then there's times where she's like, "We just want to be free," and she cries and stuff. And, and maybe I missed things in my sort of the dull ache of disappointment uh, from watching the film. But, but like, that didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's pivot because I think one thing, one of the many things I love about Children and Me mm. is that everything makes sense and the things that are ambiguous are comfortably ambiguous. And there is so much world building that happens in that. And there's yeah. lots of little details mm-hmm. that are wonderful, but there's also so much that is positioned and placed that is Chekhov's gun, right? There's yes. multiple Chekhov gun, Chekhov's yes. guns that all get fired at the end, both metaphorically and literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you've you've got the establishment of the refugee tensions. Yeah. And mm-hmm. is it you know is it London? It's London. Isn't it's it? London. Yeah. Um, and can which, I just say it's 2027? Right. Yeah. So you know that fascinating thing that always crops up with sci-fi is like what year do they put it in? 2049 or 2020? Oh, it's actually it feels horribly here we are in 2023 within four years it's not beyond the bounds of possibility no, no, no. whereas really and, and cr- the creator is 2065 which is sufficiently in the future obviously mm. this film was only made recently mm. and children of men was made uh 21 years before the year in which it's set yeah. do you know what i mean yeah but yeah it feels like they're still wearing normal clothes they're mm-hmm. walking they're getting coffee and stuff bombs are going off the, the everything is gray and horrible and da da um and filthy um anyway sorry yep you're saying yep mm-hmm. no i just i just really the film doesn't like we're talking about the creator kind of leaving lots of opportunities on the floor mm-hmm. and on. yeah children of men has a very clear intention 
And it's one of the things I always enjoy about Alfonso Cuaron. And I think for some people it could be a criticism of his work, but I always think he does it so well. He has such a clarity of vision, whether mm. it's Itzimama Tambien and kind of that investigation of, of the political state of, um, where are they? Are they in Brazil? They're in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah. Um, but it's told through this, this relationships between these three people uh, or with Gravity. You know, I just watched Gravity with some of my students, a different mm. group of students, and that's a... A movie about a woman dealing with grief told mm. in the biggest kind of setting you could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same with, with this film as well. There's such a clear um, drive, both in terms of Theo's character. Like, mm. he has such a clear mm. narrative arc. He, mm-hmm. He's a broken man who's lost his child. He's, he's lost purpose. Mm. And he finds it with looking after Key. But also this idea that um, London sees this, well, the world sees this crisis mm. of we've got no future our our woman or people that can't you know people no people are no longer having well, children we're, we're going to be you know when they when he walks through the school towards the end and you think oh i see yeah of course their school all the schools will have been abandoned yeah. because the youngest yeah. person is 18 yeah mm-hmm. there are no schools anymore yeah. although i did think about being a lifelong learner and i thought they could have <laughs> continued to use this for the adults yeah but then i put that to one side but anyway yep yeah and just mm-hmm. this idea that oh my gosh we've got no hope but actually, you just need to kind of shift your perspective and think about what does nationhood mean? Mm-hmm. Who are we as a people? Are we London or are we the human race? Like, There's just all of that woven so nicely into that story. And yet they don't talk about it. Yeah, no. It's just part of yeah. Theo and Key and the other characters around them that all pretty much die. Um, getting to safety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, getting, getting her to say, getting Key to safety. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's so much selflessness that happens actually because um, from him and no, from, no. Well, from no, everyone. I meant from everybody. Yeah. I well, meant... there's the political motivations of the other characters. You've got the midwife; she's yeah. a big character, mm-hmm. and you've yes. got the woman that they meet in the. But Pam Ferris, the midwife, who interestingly is in Call the Midwife, um, <laughs> and she was in Darling Buds of May. She, she's um, Trunchbull from Matilda. There and we go. She's the auntie that blows up in Harry Potter. Oh, Street. that's right. Mm. So, so she. She sacrifices herself, remember, in the bus because she stands up and goes, oh, forgive me. Absolutely. And then she gets dragged off and killed. But the interesting thing, as you, you, as you say, Jeremy... I suppose about... Michael Caine as well. He's very mm-hmm. selfless. Absolutely. Julia Moore, Michael Caine, the midwife, and the woman with the dog. And, yeah. and, and actually, there's yes, a few of them. Yes. I'll take that back. There is there, a few of them. There are loads who yeah, are like, right, look, your right, cause yeah. is more important. Off you go. And mm. including, actually, Theo. Now, you could actually... You could diminish Theo's selflessness and say look he, he really he literally has nothing to live for because he doesn't yeah the mm-hmm. minute isn't it brave how they kill julianne moore so early Whoa. in the film <laughs> one of the best Freaking shots amazing. Yeah, in and history that, and that whole that whole it's not a dolly or a tracking shot but that whole one is extraordinary and, and do you know goodness. how they, they filmed yes. it yeah yes. and how they moved their seats were moving down to and the, the camera's the camera. on the roof oh, yeah everyone's on the down. roof yeah amazing and there's a cut though because they had to move out of the mm-hmm. move out of the car there but, is a little sneaky cut oh but it's extraordinary and you should yeah youtube it along with the whole no raid. don't youtube it watch the flipping film no yeah. watch the film <laughs> but then youtube it and then raid 2 the whole um how they do the cameraman is the car scene Amazing. So all those things are incredible. But um, they're incredible long shots with ongoing acting, 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 Mm -hmm. acting from dear old Clive Owen, Mm. who's just this kind of like depressed cynical, fabulous character throughout. Yeah. Yeah. But um but he he has nothing yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, it's sad that he dies at the end, but it also isn't because well, it's not I mean, about him. He's irrelevant. Also, he, he might he's, not, you know. He, yeah, uh, yeah, he's dead. He's dead, but he's done his <laughs> job. she goes, Theo, Theo, and he doesn't answer. And he's done yeah. his job by then, you mm-hmm. know. All he had to do was get her to the human project, which yeah. he's uh, done for all intents and purposes. And, and so we don't need to see him get there and then be bandaged up and, you know, and then yeah. recover. I mean, what is he going to do? Nothing. <laughs> so, um... But that's the whole point, well, isn't it? Well, one of my favourite character moments of his, and uh, here's the thing. The last time I saw Children of Men in its entirety was in 2006 at the movies. Wow! I, I saw the movie. I, I remember I, I, I'd read a spread on it in the New Zealand Herald. Wow. And they, they raved about it. It's like, oh man, let's go watch this movie. This sounds great. One day I'll need to do and, a podcast on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was at the Riotto, Um And... Lord. I remember being on the literally on the edge of my seat through the whole thing, and then after the movie ended, just the, <gasps> mm, <sighs> mm. <sighs> and for the longest time in my head, I've been saying this is one of my favorite movies of all time. So you hadn't seen it again until I, I've just seen it this the, week. Bits and drabs, bits yeah, and yeah, drabs, yeah. right? I've seen the obviously the car chase on on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah and yeah. I've seen. <laughs> 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 so 
sorry. Are you looking at me because no, I see YouTube? And no, not no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's actually no. on YouTube. It's actually on. It, it, you know, it's it's. The, I know. And it's the DVD extra that someone know. uploaded on YouTube. Yeah. That's amazing. I love, it. I love it. Um, and on HBO and stuff, you know, you, you watch it, but it's like, oh, this is that scene from Children of Men. That's right. Um, but last night was the first time since 2006 I've seen the entire thing in its entirety. Yeah. And I mean, you said it before, Jeremy, but. Guys, I want to pose a question. Is is this one of the greatest films ever made? I I think it may be. Yeah. At least in terms of modern classics, yeah. like like post nineteen seventies. Absolutely. Um, why is why is this this film so successful on all fronts? Like yeah. every single decision. The music is extraordinary. The sound mix, Jeremy, when you talked about like you know watching it on the best sound system, like the ambience, the 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 animals, like yeah. the, the, obviously animals being a big motif through the movie, but there's a lot of just gunfire mixed with sheep bleats and dog barks yeah. and, and and cats. Um, and the it, lighting, the cinematography is whew. beyond. I mean, you you watch the movie right, and you watch yeah. the amazing car scene, and you watch all these amazing bits, and it's very kind of like gorilla in the sense of like shaky cam and yeah. sort of. And then you get to the the labor sequence, mm -hmm. and it's still. My students were like, "Whoa, it's one take." And yeah. how do and, they you know, do that? Well, it's yeah. a mixture of CGI and but, yeah. it's, but it's because it comes back to the same thing with the creator or with everything, everywhere all at once, or Lord of the Rings or whatever. Mm -hmm. These are filmmakers that are trying to find the best tool mm -hmm. for the job, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. they know when to use CGI and when not to use CGI. And yeah. so there's a lot of CGI in Children of Men that you don't even notice, mm. um, whether it's the windscreen in that car yeah, sequence yeah. or. Or, or the blood splurts on the camera. But it's or... a mechanism, isn't it? It's a mechanism for the audience to feel the breathlessness of one mm -hmm. take. So that it, it's the classic, and this is why we teach it, mm. is that classic, you are absolutely, the audience becomes one with everybody in the mm. film because mm. we are immersed in it, because we cannot breathe. Because you can't breathe unless the, unless the, the frame cuts. Yeah. yeah. And it's relentless and terrifying. And it, one of my favourite uh, moments of Alfonso Cuaron talking about this is about gravity. And yeah. he talks about the opening sequence of, of that film where, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a normal day in space until the debris sort of yeah. changes that, yeah. and eventually, um, uh, Doctor Stone, the um, Sandra Bullock character, gets flung into mm. space and she spins off into and the then distance, then the camera cuts. and then it cuts. Mm. And he said when they were making that, mm. uh, the you know part of his team were like, oh, we can carry the shot on by doing this and this, and he said, no, 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 that's when the scene's over. Yeah. We cut because we don't just keep going because we no. Which I think is my big issue with 1917. Mm. There are lots of moments in that film where the moment's over. Mm. Why are we still... Why is this still going? Right. And I do yeah. have that moment Because in the it's trying of, to be bravura. It's it, trying to be Birdman. And it actually takes you out of the show. Sure. Whereas Birdman... Yeah. They they know it's a conceit because yes. it changes time frames. Mm -hmm. and, you know, there there is this knowing that this is a conceit that we we're nice. playing with it. Yeah. Whereas I just didn't feel that sense of awareness in nineteen seventeen. Absolutely felt it in gravity. Really good point and um very, very good point about editing and the importance of editing and that it isn't just about, oh look, we can make this feel like it's all one shot, but that it's about it's a little bit like being a DJ in a club where you're playing the sort of interminable music that doesn't have words and you can't sing along to, which is the sort of club to which I do, to which I do not go. However, it's knowing how to rise and fall. You are conducting the dancers, mm -hmm. right? And it's giving them those peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs, or however you want to put it, isn't it? So that's a really interesting point. And... And I remember that moment in Gravity, and I remember the breath of the audience. I saw it in the IMAX, it was one of those media screenings, and I remember the, you know, collective kind of, you know, not a gasp necessarily, just a breath, you know. Um, can I just say, you mentioned the music, and I just wanted to say that John Tavener mm -hmm. is the, the British composer who is um, known for uh, religious works, ah, and that's nice. the music in Children of Men, which is, it's... it's it's almost a mix of Lisa Gerard's kind of uh, ambient moans in Gladiator and, and those kind yeah. of... Mm. It's that wonderful, almost mystical, almost religious but not religious because it's almost an a-religious world, isn't it? It's, well, it's uh, 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 it's uh, until, until it's not, right? Yes, that's right. Um, until, uh, you have uh, a... until you start having the Christian symbolism mm. and the nativity scene. But not and just the... that, you've also got the, um, the kind of, is it, oh, what's the religion that the midwife, um, 
she's got a version of oh yes shanti shanti yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's yeah. Right. religious that's and, right. and she she does tai chi and yes. it's yes. very eastern um... she's st- she can't get it right yeah. <laughs> yeah, and great. key and he says to key who's the father and she says i was a virgin yeah. you know which is obviously a, a, a very nice they did that yeah. so it yeah. didn't become a religious allegory yeah but that she's like oh i don't know there were so many so, of them, uh, you know <laughs> but technically there is no dad there and she is bringing the child who is the savior mm. of the world so mm. uh, have you guys have either you read the book no, no. is it called children it is yes yeah. uh, i i have not but apparently uh, reading up on it like it's it's much more um ostensibly religious right, right. It's, it's about um uh, kind of a christian sort of faith um you know becoming brought brought up in a really big way and that's the metaphor mm. of the child being born in a childless world mm. right um and there were some people that said that the film kind of washed a lot of that stuff away mm. Uh, which, you know, give or take, I, I think the imagery is definitely there. It is. Um, there there's the, piet- the talk about the Pieta. Yes. And then, of course, later on, you see the woman cradling her dead child. Um, and the fact that when she's walking through the, the, the war-torn building and yeah. all the soldiers and everybody, they part the waves. Yes. I don't mean like the Red Sea, but they part and they touch the baby's feet. And, and, and they, it's they, Jesus, they Jesus, the, Jesus. Yes. And some of them do cross themselves mm-hmm. because they will have existed in a world that still had yeah. Christian beliefs. But absolutely, this sense of stop fighting, stop fighting, this is important, you know, and absolutely. We even talked about Chiyo Chiyo Ijiofor, who's yeah. brilliant in this. Yes. This was one of yeah. the first roles I remember seeing him in. I've done stuff before. The Sin but... Love, actually. Yeah, I was oh. also with Kinky Boots. He was the leader yeah. of Kinky Boots. Oh, yeah. Um, but he's he's really good in this. Yeah. And he's really good in this in the sense that his character is kind of the villain of the piece. But and yet he's, he's really so not, straight. He's also not the villain. Like That's the, right. There's a bigger villain at play. That's yeah. absolutely right. He's, he's so good. human in yeah. it, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And so actually his, his... I'm so sorry, I'm trampling on what you're saying, no, but go, I'm excited go. by it because you're absolutely right. In clumsier hands, he would have been some sort of evil. Ah, ha, ha, kind or just of. like if Sophia Washington was playing him. Oh, but then he just would have given him the side eye, and you would have known he was a baddie. But um, no, you're right though. Because... I'm sorry, Denzel. We like him. We like him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Chibatella Jayafor starts off being a good guy, and then when he is is sort of um, unro- unveiled as a bad guy. His character is exactly the same. Well, he still sees himself as a good guy. Exactly. Right? Yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I was going to say. There's yeah. an ambiguity about yeah. it. He's yeah. he's compromised, but not really. He's he's yeah. just he's like, this is how it has to be, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sequence where they're trying to get the, the car started. The slow yes. car chase. Oh, my students again were like, oh yeah. my gosh, oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So good. And how they shoot that sequence where you, in, in the background... It's, it's all out of focus. Yeah. But you just see people sprinting yes. towards yeah. the Charlie car. Charlie like, oh. interestingly. I, yeah. I was shocked. I, I completely with forgot the, that that was arms. him. Yeah. Um, and even he has an arc, right? Yeah. It's like, you killed my cousin. He was only 19. It's like, of course, and he has rage issues, but of course, you know, he's yeah. only 19. Yeah. yeah. He, does he, oh, no, no, I was going to say, he doesn't die to the cinder block to the face, which is a horrific moment. Oh, like, Sid. So gr- oh, are you talking Ooh. about um, Peter Mullen, the Scottish yeah. kind yeah. of Sid. Sid? The thing that's interesting to me there is I didn't know until this viewing that that was Peter Mullen, who is mm. notoriously a, a scary guy to act with, a scary mm. guy. Robin Malcolm, when he, when Peter <gasps> Mullen came here to do Top of the Lake, mm. uh, and he was superb. Right, yeah. And oh, Robin Malcolm, yeah. Had a real life relationship with him for a while, and mm-hmm. I just and I just felt scared for her in real life because mm. he's such a fear, fearsome yeah. fellow. But anyway, he was fearsome as Sid mm. because you couldn't tell right from the beginning, eh? When it's set up with who are you, da 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 da, yeah. and then he's like, I'm joking, and then you're like, well, no, you've got to be really careful of this joker. Mm. Frightening. There's so many good moments as well where it plays as, plays with the audience's expectations about what's going to happen, like when um, I've forgotten her name, the Russian woman or, or Yugoslavian. Yes. Uh, yes, R- Romania, I think she is. Romanian, yeah, okay, yeah. Romanian. So she she takes the baby through the doorway, yeah, yeah. and Kiko's my baby, my yeah. baby, and, she's, and then she's, she squishes herself through the door. She gets through, but she's yeah. still there. She's just yeah. waiting for them. Absolutely, you think, oh my goodness, that's it. You're never going to see that child again. She's yeah. going to sell her or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. and then she him. she stays and she her dog and yeah. she's actually there to help them and yeah. it's it's quite. Um, yeah, there's some lovely moments because of then, of course, there are other moments where well, we've already had it set up with the with the freedom fighters and how they've really turned on them and they're going to kill Theo. And, yeah, mm-hmm. and um, it's 
It's very intentional. It's I keep a, coming back to that point. It's a very brutal film, and I have to admit, Jeremy, I knew that you taught it, and on this rewatch, re 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 rewatch, unlike William, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did think. Is this appropriate for Jeremy to be teaching this to young people? There's a lot in it that's very, I don't mean intellectually challenging. I know your kids can deal with that. I just mean it's really yeah. grim. I, I think they especially, loved it. especially in the After. light of this, the last five years. Yeah. I mean, people have, have talked about this film being prescient and my goodness, with, with what's happening in Ukraine, mm. in the Middle East. I mean, mm. the imagery, a lot of it's taken from, you know, the mid-2000s, especially yeah. during the, George, George, the first George W. Bush era. Um, and it, it totally plays true today, and that's horrifying. Well, it's worse now with the refugee situation yes. in England. And Brexit. Places. That's right, that's right. And the fact that, and the fact that, it's so brilliant, isn't it? The fact that Clive Owen gets off the bus on his way to work, to his dreary job, mm -hmm. in dreary grey London, and he walks past these big cages full of refugees, mm -hmm. um, and... And doesn't blink because you don't even notice because day. it's just there all the time. And the dogs and the you get off the train or whatever it was, you know, and, yeah. and you've got people shouting at you and you just get on with it. And you're just used to that. My mind has gone straight to the opening of the film, which is him going in, getting the coffee. You get the Diego Brilliant. news yeah. thing. Everybody's watching it. It's the Princess yeah. Diana death moment. He goes out, he mixes <clears> his milk. It blows up. Behind him. A man walks out holding his arm. Cut. cut to black or cut to title. Yeah. yeah. Like like just the confidence of that opening, it's it is grim, but it's it, it's the tone. It gives you the exposition, you know what the stakes are, you see the main character, you see you what know, his life is yeah. like. Absolutely. Every day is like two minutes. And the wow. fact that yeah. he almost doesn't blink an eye. But then when he goes to the office and then he says, oh, look, I think that the uh, the loss of Die um, baby Diego has affected me. Yeah. But then later on, all he doesn't talk about Diego at all. He just says, my ears are ringing. So you know that he has been affected by it. May I just say, um, the production is really interesting to me because some of us, i.e. me, were living in London in the year prior, 2005, when the bombs went off mm -hmm. in the tube on the 7th of July. Mm. And they went off on the tube uh, and on a bus. And so this film came out in England um, the following September. Mm. Uh, no, so, 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 sorry, the year following in the September. And the bombing, for example, of the coffee shop will have felt horribly, horribly mm. recent and, and very... Um, uh, not on the nose, because I'm not suggesting it was inappropriate or that it was too soon necessarily. Oh, it's a P.D. James book, yeah. by the way. So, um, but yeah, so I think that's interesting because I wonder whether, and I'm just quickly flicking in here to see whether in actual fact it was filmed earlier and then they were like, oh, we need to delay it or whatever, blah, 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 blah. So I'll come back to you on that. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because there will be... There will have been a time when it was like, oh, um, that's maybe too yeah. soon. So we're going to delay the release of that a little while or something like it's that. It's also such a, icon I mean, it's Fleet Street. It's such an yeah. iconic view. Um, you see the cathedral in the background. And and yeah, I, I mean, they, they play with that iconography quite a bit. Yeah. So I, I completely get that. With, with the timing... Would they have filmed after the the bombings? Well, that's what I'm, that's what okay. I'm just um, trying to look up here. Um but, but, I mean, okay, while you're doing that, yes. the, the other thing I think the film does so well is just the sense of absolute reality of, of space and of place, right? When um, when he goes, Theo goes to visit his cousin and it's the Battersea Power Station. Yes! Oh. And you have the Pink Floyd reference in the yeah. background. It's amazing. <laughs> what oh, a wonderful yeah. reference. But can I just say, it's absurd because if you know London, he's driving along towards Buckingham Palace down mm -hmm. the Mall and then all of a sudden he's heading into Battersea Palisade which is nowhere near and then the all of a sudden all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I know and then all of a sudden he's in the countryside mm -hmm. at, at, at um oh no then all of a sudden he's at the Tate Modern and, oh yeah um, and then Battersea again that's right and so it's like you <laughs> well, when, know, he, when they went into the Tate Modern I, I was like the Leo pointing me was that's the Tate Modern <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny I, I can't help but bring up a TV show which I you know it's not quite my Buffy the Vampire Slayer but it's close enough which is <laughs> Which is the leftovers. Um, oh, gosh, And, yes. you know, I've been thinking about that as we've been talking about the prescience of that TV series with COVID. Mm. But the, in season three, there's... Um, the, the end of season three is set in Melbourne, and there's an episode in Melbourne City, and I was just in Melbourne City, and, you know, there's a chase sequence which involves the library and the graffiti mm, cool. kind of alleyways. And now visiting Melbourne, I'm like, there's no way this chase sequence happened. <laughs> like, you don't walk out of the library and you're in the alleyways. Like, that's quite the distance. And, um, <laughs> but, you know, it happens all the time. Mm. Can I just tell you, it says in Wikipedia, 
Um, the creation of the single shot sequences was incredibly time consuming, etc. It took 14 days to prepare for the single shot in which Clive Owen's character searches a building under attack. So they planned the shot oh, that's, for 14 that's, that's, days. That's a huge, that's a big sequence. Yeah. And then five hours for every time they wanted to reshoot it. Now, in the middle of one shot, blood splattered onto the lens, and um, cinematographer uh, Emmanuel Lubeski convinced the director to leave it on. Now, we watched it, and the blood's there, and then the blood slowly disappears. So, um, we did wonder. You knew that, didn't you, that that blood was accidental, Mm -hmm. but then we thought, well, hang on a second, how are they managing to get rid of it? Um, I thought it 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 would be another shot, right? That's right, and that's where you can tell where the thread is. uh, um, But it does fade out. Maybe they faded it out. Yeah, Yeah. it does a little bit, but he's walking up the stairs at that point. There's some man, speaking of guerrilla filmmaking, there's some bravura camera work in that scene. It doesn't matter that it's a one shot or not, but how they continue up the stairs down some very, very narrow spaces and somehow you know exactly where all the main players That's are true. at every single moment. That's and true. how the extras are reacting to gunfire, they're reacting to Keanu Baby. And, and not only that, there is a moment where there's the moment where Theo gets shot by Chiwetel. Is it You know, he's the one that kills Theo. Yeah, but you you kind of you kind of get it you get it, but then the scene moves on and you don't. It's very well placed. Mm. Yeah. Um. And you know, if you're not watching closely, you won't notice. But if you are, it's it's there. It's yeah. all there. You know, he's been shot, but you kind of don't because he's just moving on. And that's right. And I guess the baby moment happens, right? The quiet baby moment, yeah, and then yeah. that's a beautiful moment of sound with everybody quiet. We've talked about that, and then there's an explosion yeah. and it's all back on, and their heads are down, and they're running to get to the boat. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um, apparently, just to answer the question from before, they filmed between the 18th of November 2005 mm. and uh, and sort of nearly middle of 2006. So that's interesting. So, yeah, they went ahead and they shot it and, and it was what it was. Mm. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoy our podcast, you should consider signing up to our Patreon. Cinema in Context patrons receive access to exclusive minisodes, opportunities for one-on-one discussions about the films you love, and our extended episode catalogue, including extended content of the episode you're listening to right now. We discuss our favourite moments from one or other of the films, things that we would do differently if we were the director, and a third film that would pair, or rather trio, nicely with the ones that we've discussed. You can find out more at patreon.com forward slash cinema in context. You can listen to Cinema in Context on SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, Amazon Music and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on YouTube, Instagram and Facebook, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode, as well as give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, no more mai! mai.